All right, hello everyone and welcome to the Rosewood Church Weekly Podcast. We are in week four of our four-week sermon series entitled, What We Believe. And just to recap, we've talked about God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the Holy Bible. We've talked about the church. And we've talked about the sacraments. Today we're going to close this series with a message about sin and salvation. This is really nothing short of a discussion about the nature and the reality of being a human being. A person's understanding of God and their relationship to God forms so much of how we see ourselves, the people around us, and the world that we live in. It defines our reason for hope. It gives meaning to otherwise meaningless existence. It's the difference between being stuck where we are and being transformed into what we were created to be. So let's once again revisit the amazing truth of salvation through Jesus Christ as it is given to us in Scripture. Today we're going to be reading from the letter to Titus. Now Titus was converted to Christianity by Paul and was appointed as a bishop in Crete. Paul closes his short letter to Titus here in chapter 3 with this explanation of salvation through Jesus. It says this, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of our God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of his own mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. That was from Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. So, as we have done in the past, we'll continue uh, for this last message, working out of the confessions of faith uh, of our church here in Rosewood. And we're going to be in article kind of 7 through 12, weaving in and out of them in our discussion today. So the first thing we want to talk about is the nature of sin and free will. All people are born under the condition of original sin. Now, you might have heard this term, original sin, before, but what does it mean? It refers to the first sin of the first two created people, Adam and Eve. Their decision to disobey God, to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sent humanity on a trajectory, sent humanity on a path. So sin for us is more than just something we do wrong. Apart from some salvation 
it is really who we are. It defines us before our Creator God. The Bible teaches us that all the the offspring are from these two, which is everyone, everywhere, are from Adam and Eve. And we are all born destitute of holiness and inclined to evil, as our confession of faith says. That is, we don't just commit sins, we are born sinners. And this situation is bleak. On our own, we are incapable of knowing God. We are incapable of doing things that will please God. We start out and remain separated from God with no hope of restoration. However, by the loving grace of God and the influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can come to not only know that we're sinners, but to choose the salvation that God has provided for us. So next, let's talk about that salvation that God has provided. Uh, we refer to it as the reconciliation through Christ. We who are born into original sin need to be born again. We who are incapable of anything holy need the holiness of another. We who are prisoners to sin need to be set free. We who are the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve need to be adopted by somebody else. What is broken between us and God needs to be remade. And for all these reasons, God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. Article 8 of our Confession of Faith says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So Jesus came to earth to accomplish a few things on our behalf. He came to establish his kingdom on earth. He taught and he preached about the nature of that kingdom and those who would be a part of it. But as those who are born into sin, we are utterly unfit to be a part of this kingdom without the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Without it, we are utterly unable to understand and respond to its pull on our hearts. So Jesus removed the barrier of sin between God and humanity. By his death on the cross, God paid the penalty that was ours and made a way for reconciliation. God and humanity could now live in relationship as God intended as it was at the dawn of creation. Moreover, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the salvation that is ours transcends our mortal life for all of eternity. Jesus is the first resurrection, but he is in no way the last. What God did through Jesus was done for all people for all time. No other Savior is required. No other sacrifice is sufficient. Next, we talk about justification and regeneration, two um, very churchy words, if I can call them that. But what do they mean? When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we believe that there are changes that occur in a person. There are two terms that we have to introduce and talk about in order to describe this change. It is justification and regeneration. 
To be justified before God means to stand before God and be accounted as blameless, sinless, of right thought and action, fit for relationship with the perfect and holy God. Now, as we've discussed earlier, we can't achieve this by our actions. Even at our best, we are mired in sin and incapable of pleasing God by our own good works. But because of Jesus, all this is changed. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9, that we are saved by faith, not by any works that we perform. So our complete and total reliance on the accomplishments of Jesus on the cross is what makes us justified before God. It's Christ's action and our faith in the actions of Christ that justify us. Now, we'll talk about good works in a moment, but when it comes to your being righteous before God, make no mistake, it is your faith in Christ, not your acts of righteousness, that result in justification. When we accept Jesus in faith as our king, the king of our lives, that Holy Spirit which was leading us to faith now takes up residence within us. When the Holy Spirit becomes a part of your life, it starts getting to work. All those towers and monuments to sin that have been constructed in your life need to be torn down. Our habits, our thought processes need to be redesigned. In truth, our entire way of looking at ourselves, other people, God, and creation need to be renewed. We call this regeneration. You see, from the moment you accept Jesus as Savior, you're taking your feet off of one path and starting down another. You are now being formed into the nature and the person of Jesus Christ, our perfect example. Your hate is turned to love. Your hardened heart is softened. The mercy and forgiveness that God shows to us becomes the hallmark of our interactions with other people. Where before you see the world as this irredeemable and hopeless place full of irredeemable and hopeless people and situations, we now find something new that shapes everything that we look at, and that is hope. Jesus' death and resurrection demonstrates to us that nothing is beyond hope, and that even at its worst, this world is worthy of our love and service. So this gets us to our final discussion point, and we're going to talk about good works, because they certainly have a place in this conversation. Now, when we talk about good works, as the Bible talks about good works, we're simply talking about those things that we do that are reflective of the nature of Jesus Christ. Healing, feeding, comforting, supporting, loving, repairing, serving. The question is not whether or not we need to do these things, but why are we doing these things? What is the motivation for our good works? When we read the Bible, it is apparent that the early church struggled as we struggle with the idea of good works um, because we, you keep running into this issue of do my works, uh, 
make me righteous before God? And if they don't, then what are their purpose? And Paul explains it in his letters at different points, and, and I imagine that his written explanation was uh, the result of a lot of conversations that he had with Christians, and I can only imagine how they went. I think, you know, Paul would tell people, you, you, as Christians, God wants us to do good works. And the early Christians would say, oh, so if I do good things, that will make God love me. And Paul would say, no, not exactly. Um, God loves you no matter what. And so the early Christian would say, oh, so I don't need to do good works then? And Paul would reply, oh, no, good works are very important. And the early Christian would say, okay, so I need to do good works to be a good person. And Paul would say, no, if our good works made us good people, then we really wouldn't have needed Jesus to save us. And at that point, the early Christian would probably scratch their head and walk away. It's a complicated issue. But, but here's the truth. And our, our tenth article in our Confessions of Faith describes the situation pretty well, I think. It says, we believe good works are the necessary fruit of faith and follow regeneration. But they do not have the virtue to remove our sin or to avert divine judgment. We believe good works, pleasing and acceptable to God in Christ, spring from a true and living faith. For through and by them faith is made evident. So here's what this means. Your good works don't save you. They are evidence of your faith. We would say necessary evidence of your faith. And you can think about it this way. What is the nature of your faith in Jesus Christ? Is it nothing but words truly? If you believe in Christ and you have uh, put yourself on that path to follow him, to become more like him in all of your ways, to let the Holy Spirit come into your life and give you that uh, regeneration, shouldn't we say that the fruits of that faith would be evident? If a Christian says, well, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but then is nothing but hateful to everyone they come in contact with, maintains in all the bad and self-destructive habits that were a part of who they were prior to knowing Christ, should we say that that person's faith has not had a, a life-changing um, impact on who they are? So we say that the fruits aren't what saves you. It is evidence of the faith that saves you. These faithful good works are pleasing to God, but not because they're good unto themselves, but because they show that we are being transformed into Jesus. Our good works are the fruit of our salvation, and God loves to see it. I invite you to bow your head as I close us in prayer. Father, thank you for loving me so much that when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, you freed me from my sins. I reaffirm 
my faith in you and give you praise for that gift of salvation. Thank you that I don't have to earn it. I accept Jesus' sacrifice for me and receive your forgiveness and cleansing. I rejoice in knowing that I am your child. Help me obey your word and each day to acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus in my life. Amen.